Leadership Confessions with Phil Rose from Clarity Leadership. Hi, and a real warm welcome to this, our first episode of Leadership Confessions with me, Phil Rose. I'm super excited to be launching this podcast and particularly excited by my first guest, Scott Petty. Scott is currently Chief Technology Officer of Vodafone UK. He leads a 3,000 strong organisation and is responsible for all aspects of technology in the company, including operational performance in network and IT. He's currently leading key strategic initiatives such as 5G and digital. But before we get going, I guess I've got my own small confession. First and foremost, Scott and I are friends, and we've been friends for over 12 years. We've been working together professionally for about 10 of those. As friends, we cycle together weekly, ski together annually on some pretty extreme skiing trips, which has led us to the Arctic Circle. And it's my hope tonight this combination of a personal and professional relationship will make this podcast even more revealing. Scott, welcome. How are you, mate? Hi, Phil. I'm really well, thanks. Thanks for having me along and uh, looking forward to uh, a confessional. <laughs> so how's your day been? Uh, not too bad. Uh, back-to-back video conferences, as is the way under, under lockdown, but uh, reasonably productive. Yeah, look, cool. Look, this is all about for our listeners to understand your leadership style, the journey that you've been on. H- how would you describe your leadership style? It's uh, a great question. I uh, Clearly, I, I run uh, technical functions and I look after uh, large bodies of engineers, operational people, um, and, and what some people would think of as geeks and nerds. And uh, <laughs> you have to develop a, a clear management style for running technology organizations and making sure we deliver with, with operational excellence. Uh, but I also have to spend uh, every day interfacing with my business partners and business owners across Vonafone and understanding our business priorities and, and ensuring that uh, we're building the right technology and, and executing on their behalf. So uh, I have really two hats, how to motivate a deeply technical organization, but how to speak in simple language to the business owners within Vodafone, ensuring that uh, technology is a, is a great partner for them in, in delivering that. So I have, a, a, I guess, a dual leadership style. Um, one is motivating my teams and creating a vision and uh, excitement about where we want to go. Uh, and one is, is really as an interpreter, translating uh, deep technical concepts into uh, everyday speak and everyday things that, that people can understand in the business and, and get excited about and, and turn into services that we offer to our customers. Have you got a preference over either of those two? Uh, I'm always much more comfortable in, in the technology community. It's what I love. Um, I've, I've only ever worked in technology and it's, um, it's what motivates me every day. And, and I had to develop the skills uh, to, to, to speak in business speak and, and understand P&Ls and be able to interface with business owners in, in, in the right way. Um, but, but I'm equally comfortable doing that. But, but my natural love uh, is, apart from skiing, is, is technology <laughs> and being able to, to, to really motivate technology teams to do some pretty cool things. And what would you say have been some of the defining moments on your journey to, to bring you to where you are? Probably the mistakes, to be honest. Um, I, I think uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but a, a, a leader slash mentor I had when I was very young said, look, you, in every day you're going to make a set of decisions and the very best leaders, you know, get six or seven of those right. Um, and and don't focus so much on the six or seven that you got right, but focus on the three or four that you got wrong and understand what you can learn from that. Uh, understand how you could improve, uh, understand what went wrong and and, and build on that on that. Um, understanding to to try and avoid the mistake the next time, but but to 
improve both yourself and your team and everyone around you to to drive uh, performance improvement. And um, th that's really stood me in in, in really good stead. Um, uh, most of my team would say to I'm I'm quite calm under pressure and uh, I, I don't like to blame people when things go wrong. It's normally process or 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 something that led to a human error. And, and I really like to focus on what went wrong in the process that we need to improve to to ensure that doesn't happen again. And um, that that's really helped me grow, I think, as a leader and, and motivate teams in, in in the right way. So I, I would I would say the mistakes are are the things that have helped me the most, and I've probably learnt the most and and um, for good or bad, I've made many of those in, in my career. <laughs> that leads me straight into the, the guts of it. Is there some specifics that you could call out? You're going, do you know what? I got that wrong. We got that wrong. And, and this is what we learned as a result. I think the biggest mistakes have been actually people mistakes. Um, look, technology projects go off the rails. So, I, you know, I won't bore you with um, how to do agile and how to run project management. But um, I think those are well understood disciplines in, in the industry. But uh, the biggest mistakes I've made have been people mistakes, uh, either uh, thinking that someone was ready or capable to do a task that they weren't um, and, and not giving them enough support and help through that process uh, or, or not um, being comfortable to bring people in that that had different opinions to me or, or quite frankly, I, I might not even like and and I think as I've as I've grown as a leader, the importance of your team is probably the, the the most important aspect to focus on. You need to hire the very best people you can, uh, experts in the things that they're doing. Um, you, you need to help build that team and, and let them flourish, but you need diversity in that team as well. Um, and it's really important to to bring people in that will challenge you and, and maybe think differently to the way that you work. Uh, think differently or look at problems in a different way. And when you get that kind of high challenge high trust dynamic you you really get teams that that overperform because they they push each other along and and they drive everyone to to succeed um all of my people mistakes are when i didn't think that way and i hired people because i liked them or uh or i over promoted them because I, I i thought they were uh had potential but i i really didn't challenge myself hard enough to say is that because i like them or because they really really are capable and um uh, those are hard to undo um, they're often people that you were mentoring or you liked and uh, a year or two years later where they're not succeeding um, you, you have to make some tough decisions so I, I would say all my big mistakes have been people mistakes in in either uh, hiring the wrong people or, or or not challenging them enough to to improve their performance you talked about the teamwork there and that high trust high challenge that's 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 a tough thing to to achieve. There's not many teams that I work with that don't want to have more challenge in their team. Yet when they try to do that, they haven't got the trust as a foundation. How how have you how have you looked to uh, make that happen with your teams? Uh, I think you need to lead from the front on this one. It's it's really about how you act as a leader and and. Um... Uh, a quote my boss uses a lot, which which I really like, is is lead by example, qualify every day, um, which is what he's trying to say is is come to work every day and try and put into practice the things that you want your team to do and and achieve in the way that they operate and and um, uh, don't be lazy in in uh, in your management style. Um, so so I, I always in my teams encourage people to to challenge me and to challenge my decisions and and have a robust discussion about. Um, what's happening or why things aren't working. And if you do that in 
uh, a constructive way, in an open way, in a transparent way, where they feel really comfortable to say, come on, Scott, that's not good enough, or, or we could have done better here. Uh, they open themselves up to, to the reverse of that, where you start challenging them and, and start pushing them. Uh, and I think the very best teams uh, are capable of doing that, regardless of your role within the team, regardless of your seniority, but people feel comfortable to to have that challenge. I think it's, it's important, certainly in our industry, that um, you can support that with data. Um, I, I think data wins arguments. So it's not about people's opinions. It's about um, showing me the facts, showing me the data that proves the, the, the change that we need to make or the process that we need to make. And then then that challenge becomes uh, a logical challenge, not a personal challenge. Not I'm not saying you're a bad person or you've been lazy or you're not doing things. I'm saying I've, I've analysed this process and we could improve in this area. So getting that that environment right, I think, means being open to it yourself, encouraging people to challenge you, but encouraging people to bring facts and data as part of that so it doesn't descend into um, personal acrimony or personal opinions. And, you know, two-person people that, that have an opinion but no data, it's very hard to get them to agree because you've got no logic that you're building it on, just emotion. So, you know, if, if we canvass the opinion of your leadership team, do they do they feel comfortable in, in challenging up to you, do you think? Yeah, they do. Um uh, it happens every day, so I'm, I'm, that's why I'm pretty <laughs> confident that, that they feel that way. Each of them has a different style. Some uh, like to do it one on one. Um, some like to, you know, call up and, and say, "Can we have a coffee?" And, and I want to, I want to give you some feedback on on this area. I try to encourage it by constantly asking for feedback. What did people think of this, or how I presented this topic, or how did this meeting go? Uh, at the end of meetings, what what could we have done better in that process? Um, others are. Uh, on the front foot and and we'll we'll give it to you in the moment um with lots of energy and passion which which i also like so you know everyone's got different personality styles but once your team members see one or two people doing that they they start to open up and feel comfortable to to do that and and you just need to encourage it it it, it really creates a flywheel effect in the capabilities and and productivity of your team particularly if you've done the first step which is hire as many smart people as you can ideally smarter than you because then you're going to get better outcomes what would you say has been your biggest challenge as a leader? Um, it, it's probably back to the, the people side. Um, as my, my natural personality is is um, uh, a, a little bit quiet, a, a little bit introverted. Um, uh, I've had to develop, um, you know, my storytelling skills, my presentation skills, uh, and I'm now very comfortable doing that. And, and my bosses would say that's probably one of my core strengths, but. I had to work very, very hard at that. Um, but being introverted, it's, I, I'm less comfortable chatting to people um, over the water cooler or when I come to work on a Monday, remembering to ask them how their weekend was. Um, and, and, and a lot of people need that. They need that human connection. Um, uh, not so much engineers. They're, they're quite happy, you know, conversing via text or email, but, but other people within the team. And you need, to, you need to remember that and open those skills. So it's adjusting your personality type to... To, to work with all of the team. And, and that's been throughout my career, a constant battle and particularly under stress or under pressure or when you're super busy, um, those are the things that, that you jettison very quickly. And, and that can be detrimental to the way some of your team will feel um, in, in how you're interacting with them. And it's been a constant battle for me to work on. And, and how have you gone about that? As you sort of said, a self-confessed introvert, you've had to work at your presentation skills, your storytelling ability. How have you gone about that? Uh, keep training, keep learning. Um, I've I've had uh, coaching uh, opportunities throughout my career, and I've taken everyone that I could. 
uh, I've pushed myself way beyond my comfort levels in terms of uh, the size of public speaking I'll do into the you know the, the tens of thousands of, of people in the audience to to doing TV and radio elements um, things that you know if you'd said to me at 25 I would do I, I would have said no way that's way too scary but uh, keep working at it keep practicing keep training keep asking for feedback um, use coaches to to help you through that process um, as you know Phil we've worked together on storytelling with with my team and and it helps them immensely particularly for technical people or who have to take very complex areas and be able to explain them in in ways that non-technical people can understand and that that's a real skill to develop when you've spent 20 years of your of your career learning how a technology works to uh, simplify that sometimes feels like you're dumbing yourself down and, and you don't want to do that but actually you're not you're you're realizing that the only way for the person you're speaking to to understand is is to put it in terms that that, that they can comprehend um, and and those skill sets are so critically important in in leadership and in in aligning with your business partners and, and getting people on board with the vision you're trying to execute. So you you've spoken at a few of our events before, you know, notably this time last year at the, the London Stock Exchange, and you know you did a great job. And people will have come up to me and said, oh, you know, Scott was a natural. He's clearly gifted in that area. And what you're telling me is you don't necessarily feel like you are. What that's what I'm hearing anyway. What would you say to those folks? Uh, I'm definitely not gifted. It's not. It's uh, not a natural skill uh, that I was blessed with. Uh, but hard work can get you an awful long way, and and practice and um, uh, pushing yourself will will help develop those skills. I, I, it was very clear to me in my twenties that if I wanted to be uh, a successful leader in technology in, in a large company as I am now, that was a critical area for me to develop and work on. And 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 I just put the hard yards in and, and the training that's necessary to to achieve that. Uh, now it is very natural, and and I and I, and thank you for the feedback. It's great to hear that that people think I did a good job. But it's it's something I feel very comfortable with now. But that came after a lot of hard work and a lot of practice. What advice then would you give to aspiring leaders? They, you know, there'll be plenty of Vodafone. There'll be plenty listening in other industries and sectors. You know, if there was top tips from you for aspiring leaders, what would that be? I think you have to get the basics right, which is is how you manage yourself. You know, I talked a little bit about leading from the front, um, um, understanding yourself. You need to look after yourself, um, both you know physically and mentally. So, uh, exercise, sleep, all of those things are, are really important. Um, and you need to, I think, learn that you're not perfect and and that you're going to make mistakes. And 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 I quote to everybody my. You, you, the best leaders get six or seven decisions right every day, which means they get three or four wrong. Uh, be humble about that. Accept that that's the case um, and and focus in on what you can learn from those. So you, you can make yourself a better person and that's the base foundation for, for being a better leader. Uh, secondly, you don't need to work on your team. Bringing the very best people you can. Don't, don't be scared to hire people that are smarter than you. Um, don't be scared to people that challenge you or people that you don't like they're they're going to add value to your team if you can create that trust and high challenge environment if you can motivate them with a, a vision and a direction and a set of kpis that, that they want to execute on they'll really flourish as a team and when your team's successful you're by definition successful that's that's how you become successful as a leader the more senior you get you, you actually do less and less um, other than uh, motivate your team and, and drive in the right direction so getting your team to 
to perform at, at, at maximum level is, is key. Uh, and, and then thirdly, I think understand the company that you work within. First of all, promote the success of your team, but, but look for opportunities to, to grow your skills and, and connect into other areas. Um, it's very easy to, to think, well, if I specialize deeply in one area, I'll be able to become a senior leader. And, and, and that's really true. You need a very broad range of skills across a number of areas. Uh, in, in my case, I, I grew up with a, an engineering background, so my financial skills were were not particularly strong. And, and in my early 30s, I took the opportunity to be uh, chief operating officer for a large company where finance and sales and um, operational functions reported to me. And I had to learn um, the, the, the basics of, of how company P&Ls work. And, and I found it really interesting and, and a little bit like an engineering problem I, I, I got excited by it and, and really started to, to learn um, financial management and commercial management. And that's helped me immensely because, um, you know, when I sit down with my CFO to explain technology investments, I can speak in language he understands and, and relate it to the concepts that he holds dear as, as the values for how business should be run. And so you always look for those opportunities to reach out and develop new skills and new capabilities because you, you have to be very rounded to be a senior leader in a very large company. Um, I don't think you can be a, a specialist and, and, uh, that's helped me build those those career opportunities. Uh, to do that, you, you need to be um, willing to take feedback. And and um, I, I've been fortunate to have some great mentors, uh, people that will tell me the truth and as it is, and spend ninety percent of the conversation on the things I need to do better, and, and only ten percent of the conversation on things that I do really well. Uh, and that helps you identify the areas that you need to improve, and and then you can find opportunities to do that. So always look to be developing and always look to broaden your skills and, and gather feedback on, on how you're progressing. You know, you talked about sort of a 90% in terms of where you can improve and 10% what's working well. Is that the sort of percentage that works for you? Because I'm sure others would prefer a more 50-50 split or if not, even more on the positive stuff. Yeah, yes. And I, I'll be honest, when I was younger, it was probably closer to 60-40 or 50-50. But over time, I think you develop good antenna and, and um, you become a little bit immune to what I do, to the positive feedback. And I'm much more interested in the, the what could be better or how I could improve. And and, uh, and that, that mix has changed over time. When, when I talk to some some very senior people that are, are, are directors of FTSE 100 companies, that you know, they're kind of 95-5. So it, it probably depends on your seniority and, and uh, your where you are and, and your views as a personality. But, but I'd really encourage people to to seek out the areas you can improve uh, and push people to give you that feedback and, 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 and not, look, we're all human. It's great when people say nice things and uh, it's easy to get, um, uh, you get a nice feeling when people say you've done a brilliant job and you're really, really good at this, but you don't really learn from that. You learn from the, well, if you'd done this a little bit better or, or if you, you hadn't made this mistake, we, we might've achieved 5% more. That's where you really, really learn. Coming back to you and your leadership style based on your values, I, I know I encourage leaders to be really clear around their values, what they stand for, how they're going to lead their teams. That's something that I've got, I'd like to think for me, both in uh, work and, and personal. How would you describe the, the values that you lead your team by? The most important to me is honesty and transparency. Um, we're in a team and we're trying to achieve 
uh, a set of goals together. I, I really encourage people to give me either honest feedback and be transparent on what's working and what's not working uh, so that, that we can build on that together. I don't like it if we hide mistakes or, or we're not open about uh, things that we got wrong and, and I think you need that honesty and transparency. I, I try to balance that by by having that learning culture, being calm. I, I, I pride myself on uh, not shouting at people, not getting angry when something's gone wrong or not being belligerent and just saying, I don't care, just go and sort it out. I, I try to, you know, generally learn and understand and help and encourage whatever we need to do and, and stay calm in those situations. And and if you do that on a regular basis, people feel much, much more comfortable to say, mm, sorry, Scott, I messed this one up or I, I could have done better in this area. You know, what do you think of the options that, that we could work on to improve? And when you create that culture, it, it, it's amazing how willing people are to to focus on continuous improvement and coming up with new ideas because they're being honest about uh, how we're performing and, and where we are rather than thinking about um, how do I polish it and make it look a little bit better or how do I over-promote the, the things that we're doing. Um, so th those two are, are, are really, really key to me. Uh, and then the, the third area is is really focusing on on the people and developing people and... and um, um, I, I like to give honest feedback to them and create opportunities for them to grow uh, and, and try and stay out of their way. I, I'm not a micromanager. Um, I, I trust that if things aren't working, you'll come and tell me, or if you need help, you'll come and ask me. Um, I'll check in and make sure you're okay and you're comfortable and things are, you know, you're staying within the guardrails that were set, but I'm not going to come and do a, a massive deep dive review. And, and if you can grow people that way, um, you naturally rise with them as well. Um, but, but caring about the people and putting time and effort into their development, I think, is really important. Uh, you know, you've talked a lot about people and their development. Uh, and so when you're hiring, what are you looking for when you're hiring people? Um, I've got a little four by, a little grid that I use um, <laughs> where on one axis is aptitude, um, which is obviously the technical skills that we need or the particular specialist skills that we need. Uh, and then the vertical axis is, is attitudes. Um, and, and that's about the, the individual, how they motivate themselves, what they've done to develop, um, often where they've come from, how did they cope with adversity, how, how do they drive themselves, um, how, do they, um, how do they see their career. And, and if you sit in that kind of that top half, then I'm, I'm probably more likely to hire you based on the attitude and, and I can teach you the aptitude in, in some areas. Um, I, I, as a great example, I'm, I'm, I'm a big sponsor of our apprentice programs in Vodafone and and I, and I really love the the attitude of the apprentices many of them didn't have great upbringings they they weren't supported in their education process they they you know their parents didn't help them with their homework or they 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 lived they grew up in in uh, poor or tough environments but um, and therefore didn't get some of the opportunities that that other kids would get maybe to go to university or get degrees but they come with an amazing attitude to be successful and, and we can train them with the skills that they need. Uh, and and it, that attitude translates into uh, amazing progress, fantastic loyalty and, and a real energy in, in, in the business. And we've done something similar with um, uh, returned servicemen, um, people, uh, soldiers that work in the signals division uh, of the army have all of the skills that we need in, in mobile and fixed networks. They, they essentially build mobile networks that move around the battlefield. Uh, many of them have uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and, and we built an environment that they felt comfortable to work with them. And, and their energy and, and desire to be successful is, is just amazing. Um, you, you know, they, they come to our campus and they, 
they think it's unbelievable that we we have canteens and fantastic food and and a great environment. And it's quite helpful when people are moaning about my desk is not good enough or I need a new chair because these guys will always <laughs> say to me, you, you, you don't know what a bad working environment is. So they they create an infectious environment in inside the the business. Um, in both cases, that's that's about attitude. It's about people who really want to be successful and and have got an energy and drive to do that. Um, if you've got that, then we can work out ways to give you the, the, the skills that you need to, to be successful. That's, that's, a, that's a cool story. You, you and I both know you're, you're not a thump in the desk, bang in your fist kind of boss leader. But the red mist is going to come down from time to time, I'm sure. What buttons have, have people press that will cause that? I... I... I have a low tolerance to bullshit. Um, so uh, when people are clearly uh, trying to tell me a story that's not true or, or trying to polish something that uh, isn't the way uh, that, that reality would suggest it is, then then I'll push quite hard. Um, uh, I, I don't bang the desk and shout, but, but I'll be quite relentless in my uh, interrogation until we get to the truth. Um, and, and really, I'm giving that person the opportunity to, under some pressure, to to say, "Yeah, actually, Scott, sorry, I'm I'm not being honest and transparent. I'm I'm not telling you the truth. Uh, he, he's the reality." And and in that case, that's a good outcome. Um, a little bit of pressure applied got to what I think is important, and that that's being honest and transparent. If they don't, and they continue to, uh, to you know, not be that honest and transparent, then you know, then you start to question: Is that really someone that you want in your environment? Are they are they building the are they going to contribute positively to the culture that you're trying to build, or, or is it going to create problems for you? So, um, uh, some of my people would say those interrogations can be tough, and and um, I, I don't let people off the hook easily when when I feel that you're you're not being honest. For you personally, what's been the good, bad, and ugly around COVID? Oh, the good's easy. Uh, I've tr- I've swapped two hours of commuting to London for uh, <laughs> cycling with with one of my mates constantly around our uh, the beautiful part of West West Berkshire that we live in. Um, so uh, I'm in I'm probably healthier now than I have been for 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 a long time. Um, I'm super proud of the way our people responded. Um, you know, COVID put a lot of pressure on the telecommunications networks, the, the traffic loads, the change in the shape of the networks. Uh, and, and my teams had an amazing can-do attitude to to solve problems and help people build Nightingale hospitals and make sure that that the infrastructure that we ran um, kept running and, and has run um, as well as it has and, and, and really delivered, I think, for the, for the country as a whole. Um, the bad is... Um, just too many hours in front of video conference. It's uh, it's harder to build that team dynamic and that uh, high trust environment, particularly as new people have come in, uh, in into the teams or new people that I work with. Um, you, you just miss some of that um, human time and touch. And and we've had to develop a whole set of new leadership skills. Um, you know, I said earlier that that kind of personal conversation wasn't something that I was super comfortable with. I've had to really focus on making sure I reach out to all of my team members, you know, every few days just for a call up. How's it going? Um, are you okay? How's the workload? How's the pressure? Um, you know, the kids okay? What are you doing on the weekend? And just building those kind of relationships that easily happen in the office because you bump into people in the hallway. 
um, now you really need to focus on it and 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 almost schedule it and, and manage it as a as part of the process and and that's paid good dividends so it's been a, a good learning from from that point of view um, but immensely proud of of how my teams responded and, and what we've been able to do for for telecommunications I mean if, if our networks had fallen over then COVID would be a lot worse for an awful lot of people so you so your masks aren't responsible for the COVID disease then <laughs> would you like that lecture Phil uh, no. uh, my mobile networks and 5G have uh, absolutely nothing to do with uh, a virus spreading tell me briefly about the future of the telecommunications industry what do you think is going to be happening what what are the big challenges for for you and the other players Look on the on the positive side, the the pace of technology evolution is is phenomenal. Um, um, you know, particularly in mobile networks and and in the internet and the development of devices. And five G will bring a whole broad range of new devices um, that that will make the smartphone look you know pretty old hat. And and those are exciting areas to to work in in virtual reality, augmented reality, connected health, and and all of the new applications that that are going to be. Uh, or are being developed over over the coming decade. So uh, it'll feel probably even faster than the the sort of 2000 to 2010 period, which was a period of massive innovation in in mobile and smartphones and the internet. I think the next 10 years will be uh, much much faster and, and a much broader impact on uh, on the economy and people and the, on the types of applications that get built. So that that's super exciting and, and highly motivating to be involved in. Uh, our challenges in industry is. Um, we kind of have a weird industry dynamic. Uh, our customers use twice as much of our stuff every year, uh, but they pay us less money every year. Um, so if we were Coca-Cola, you'd be buying uh, twice as much Coke, but paying less um, e- each year. And that it's not hard to work out. The economics of that uh, can be str- can be challenging. And, and our return on capital employed is, is not great. Um, and, and as an industry, we need to work out um, how to create new sources of revenue, um, how to compete well with uh, the over-the-top players, the Amazons, the Googles, the Apples, uh, and get our fair share of uh, the economic growth that we create through our, our technology. So amazing technology, but some difficult business challenges that um, if we if we don't work out how to solve, then then we become takeover targets or get absorbed by uh, by those bigger companies. And it's it's balancing the positives and the negatives to be successful which is which is uh, is motivating and, and makes me want to go to work every day yeah cool so uh, and back to you a number of years ago you swapped cultures you left your homeland of australia to come here to the uk what, what have you and your family learned oh uh, first of all i, I as i've always said I, I really like it here um i think we when we came we we always said we'd never compare the two um uh and actually, they're really different. We speak the same language, or basically the same language, um, but uh, very different styles in in leadership and management and and, and society. So, uh, I really threw myself into to learning UK culture and 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 making friends and and getting involved in um, local community and, and local areas. And, and and so did my wife. And I think that's put us in in really good stead. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work in many, many countries around the world on projects and um, and, and leading big services organisations and big technology organisations. So uh, you, you have to learn to adapt to all of the different cultures and understand uh, how best to work with people from from different cultures in different parts of the world. Um, but the move from Australia to the UK was was much bigger than than I thought it would be. Um, 
but I think having a, a positive attitude and, and um, uh, always looking for the good things, uh, even when it is dark and rainy and, um, <laughs> you know, there are good things. It's fun to ride your mountain bike in the mud and, and, and enjoy that. So you can always find a positive. Uh, and so what, what does the future hold for you? What's, what's next? Um, one of the great things of working for a, a big company like Vodafone, um, I'm, I'm CTO for, for the UK. I'd love the opportunity to be CTO for, for the entire group. And, and that's part of, you know, our succession planning in, in, in the company. Um, uh, th- that would be a, a, an even bigger step than, than the ones I've taken. So re- really look forward to that. I, I love the technology industry and, and I have no plans to, to work in any other industry, but um, really maximize the opportunities and, and get to work with the, the really cool technology that's you know just being deployed or will be deployed over the next couple of years. I, to see how that changes society is, is very exciting. Uh, and then lastly, as an Australian, I know you're a sports fan, rugby or cricket and why? Uh, cricket, although I do love rugby, but uh, cricket is, uh, first of all, Australia's national sport. Um, uh, it's the only game that's actually played in the whole of Australia. Uh, all of the other codes are only played in parts of the country. And there's just something amazing about about that game and, and uh, the way it's played and the culture and the, the ethos and the competition with, 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 obviously with England, but with India and, and the West Indies. Uh, and there's nothing better than a day at the cricket in the sun, um, maybe with a few beers and your mates. <laughs> Scott, mate, thank you for being my first guest. Uh, some might say guinea pig, but I, I, I really appreciate it, mate. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Cheers. Leadership Confessions from Clarity Leadership. Email hello at clarityleadership.co.uk and subscribe to receive every episode as it's released.